Yeah, take it away, Ernie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. One, two, three. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath. So we're back to talk about more musicians. Uh, I guess this time we're going to talk about Drake. Um, so last time we had two straight men talk about Taylor Swift. Now we have two white men talking about Drake. So Nick, how you doing? How you feeling about Drake? I mean, as two, I, we're probably like his preferred. We're almost like at some point in his career, we were definitely his target demographic was straight white men. Um, but now it seems, I think we mentioned this in the lead up, that the target demographic for his music, music is starting to shift from straight white, white men into just like, I wonder if it's ever left like teenagers um, and like white girls and stuff like that. But um, yeah, well, we, we'll go through the whole chronological order and all that good stuff and dig, dig deep into like how he's transitioned because he's done a, he's done a lot of different shifts of transition considering he was an actor and then became a musician and he was like chill with little Wayne and he was on a Canadian TV show and now he's like the dude and like the face of the Raptors. So do you want to talk about Degrassi to start out? Yeah. So I, I never watched the show one episode, but like it was on during an era where like phasing out of, Nick at Night, like watching Nickelodeon Nick at Night. So I would see commercials for it, but I never, it was like, um, scandalous for like 13 year olds, like 10 to like 15 year olds. I just never watched it. Like those type of shows never interest me, but I knew like the characters, like I know the faces. So I knew like Drake's face. Like I knew who he was in the grass. Jimmy Brooks, that's who he played. The star basketball player that get shot and become disabled. Um, He's been running this since he was Jimmy. <laughs> he, I didn't, I didn't know this, but he appeared in 145 episodes of the show. I can't believe that people watched 145 episodes. I can't believe they made 145. I think there were 14 seasons. I think it went from, yeah. was it 03 to 2016 or something like that? Yep. Some, all right. I'm pulling up the grass of the next generation. Um, so we're all over this. Um, obviously, they probably brought in new characters every like year, just because obviously graduation and what have you. Yeah. So, and getting yeah. shot by your classmates. <laughs> yeah, they somehow it's fourteen seasons long, and I don't quite understand why it came like or like why it developed into American lore and like how it got involved into our pop culture. Um, but for whatever reason, there was a time. I think it was, for me, late in 
was on like a decent amount of time, and I probably watched a good solid six episodes before I just completely gave up on it. And what did you uh, like about it enough to get you to watch six episodes? Was it just the sex sells? You were yeah, just turned on by it as like a 14-year-old? Yeah. Sorry for the uh, intense sirens going on here. but um, <laughs> Some kid just got shot, basketball player. I mean, a lot of this <laughs> podcast was going to be based off of Degrassi, so if they're still going in like five minutes, like things are real. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what brought me into Degrassi or like why I liked it at all, but I, I think I just got like, I think like the one episode that I watched had like a pretty good cliffhanger. And so I was like, all right, I'll watch the next one. It was, I think the reason I watched it was that it was like summer vacation and I had literally nothing better to do from like one until three in the afternoon. And so then I watched like the episodes for like a week and that was my, that was my Degrassi experience. I don't remember any of the other characters though. That's fair. I mean, they all, they're basically the same character. Just like a horny teen, horny for another teen. And it's just the cycle continues, but it's like the Big Bang Theory. Like it's it stays on somehow, it stays on. But people watch it though. People like will worship that show. It's it was basically like before Jersey Shore. I felt like that was the most talked about show like in school was yeah. Degrassi. Degrassi. Is there any other person from Degrassi that like made it big? Because Drake seems to be literally the only like when they go back for reunions of like the Degrassi cast. I mean, like I said, I have never seen another episode, or I've never watched one episode, so I couldn't tell you this. Should we look this up? Oh, God, I remember the guy, Spinner, Gavin. He was in, yeah, that was one of the guys for sure. Okay. Nina Dobrev was in it? I mean, that's, she's famous. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few. I feel, I feel like this list is just lying to me. Um, Nina Dobrev... I don't know any of these other people. Yeah, Colin like, Mockery apparently was on it from Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> he, yeah. uh, oh, it was just a guest star uh, in an episode. I thought, like, he would be uh, a regular. He was just playing a, a, div- a divorce attorney for Spinner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so I guess neither of us, we probably won't focus too much on the grassies. Neither of us watched more than, for like, about a week. Hold on, one more Degrassi uh, cast. Kevin Smith apparently is a, like was a diehard Degrassi fan and appeared in several episodes over the span of the show's existence. And also Billy Ray Cyrus played a limo driver one episode. So, there you go. Wow. What season was that in? Does it say? Uh, no. Uh, well, I feel like Drake used Degrassi. Here's my uh, transition into Drake's career. It's like he basically used the Grassi and all of its um, statements about like teen pregnancies and sex and like drug abuse and body images and like all of that stuff, gang violence, abortion, suicide, and then he decided to talk about some of it or like transition it into his albums as best he could. And then he just decided to make the leap and hop on with Lil Wayne. Before we get into uh, like the albums, did you? He had three mixtapes, one in two thousand six, one in two thousand seven, and then his third in two thousand nine, which actually had the single "Best I Ever Had." Did you? That's like, so far. Wait, sorry. Which one's which? So far gone. Yeah, right. that's. He just re released on Spotify this year. 
Um, did you listen to any of those or did you not know like Drake as a musician yet? When did you first start listening to Drake? Um, or at I least like what's the first song you remember hearing of Drake? I was I was in I was in from the beginning. But what's the first song that I know? Cuz for me I didn't know Drake until 2011. It was the M- M- NBA NBA 2K11 soundtrack. He had the song Over in it. Yeah. And that was the first time I heard like one of Drake's music and then I this is this is back before um Spotify and all those uh what what did you even call Spotify? Um like the radio stations, you had to like pay for music. So I actually bought the entire uh, "Thank Me Later" album. Oh wow! Yeah, that's how much I like the song. Over, I didn't even buy the just the song, the ninety nine yeah. cent song. I bought like the whole ten dollar album. Yeah. So yeah, the thing that was well, we'll get into the discography, but yeah, that. So I I, I just looked this up because I was trying to remember what songs I listened to first, and I was. I, I did listen to, um, so it, it goes so far gone in comeback season, right? And then what's the first one? Room for Improvement, which sold 6,000 copies the first in 2006. Unreal. But that, yeah. So far gone and Thank Me Later was when it really started to get real. But comeback season is like, there's some pretty good songs on there. And Trey Songs, oddly enough, is like on him with uh, Replacement Girl. That one was a great song. Um, they have Man of the Year with Lil Wayne uh, on Comeback Season as well. That was probably one of my favorite ones in high school. And um, Underdog with Trey Songs. Like, like I feel like actually Drake's Comeback Season was more of an introduction to Trey Songs than it was to Drake. Yeah, so I. Like I said, I didn't listen to any of the mixtapes. I just listened to So Far Gone uh, this past week in preparation because we were, um, it was on Spotify. And it's So Far Gone is not even Drake's album. It's really Lil Wayne's album. He features in every song and he, he he's what I took out as like the better rapper, the better. I feel like that's all of Drake's songs with features in reality or like even his um, dual albums, like the one with Future. To me, that's a future album more than is a Drake album. So that's what I got out of So Far Gone. It's it. It was really like Lil Wayne's album, but he'll put it like under Little Brother Drake. Yeah. So it's it's interesting though because uh, in the So Far Gone mixtape, uh, I, I guess I was thinking that like that was that was Drake's really launching off portion for Best I Ever Had, uh, which maybe got him the second song like. The, to get his own album because for whatever reason I don't quite understand the backstory behind how So Far Gone even like emerged but like Little Wayne or Drake, Drake references this in other albums further down the road but Little Wayne like asked him to make a just basically make like 17 songs with him and that was how their mixtape was created and then they were like oh almost made that a Grammy out of that mixtape but the you have a power ranking for the best songs off of So Far Gone, or have you not? Uh, like, what was your first thought of, like, best I ever had the first time you heard it? Or, like, like Houston, Atlanta, Vegas is such a terrible song. Um, probably, like, A Night Off is a great one. And, like, Success 
Maxwell's pretty good, and a little bit with Leaky Lee. Um, but, like, the other ones are just kind of, uh, they're pretty forgettable, I would say. That's the thing is, I didn't start listening till to Drake until Thank Me Later. Now, if So Far Gone was his first album, and Let's Say Over was on that album, I'd probably hate it. To be honest, because this it's not a memorable album at all or mixtape. No, and he really struggles to stand on his own, um, right? Because it's featuring here's so there's 17 tracks, um, and one of the one of the tracks is featuring Trey Songz and Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne's featured, I think, on like five or six songs total, um, and then the other songs that, as I as I mentioned, that are probably the best songs feature Lloyd, Leaky Lee, Bun B. And then, like, the songs that he has to do by himself are just pretty trash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, uh... We can get into Thank Me Later, I guess. Even that in itself isn't a great album. To me, I call it his Kirk Cousins album. Like, it was okay, but it wasn't great. But it wasn't also bad. (laughs) And then he got signed for a ton of guaranteed money off of that. Yeah, he never gets hurt. He's just always just there. Yeah. If so, the other song that I felt like the launching point for his career was "Forever." Yes, that the, the, that was off of like the uh, LeBron James movie, or wasn't it? I don't even know what I don't know what that was off of. Or yeah, that was LeBron James had that like high school movie, like that movie about him, the documentary about his oh, L Kill days, right. and "Forever" was the. Um, it was like the main song in the soundtrack. Yeah, but that wasn't in. I don't think that was like his own song because I don't think it was. Yeah, it wasn't in any album. Yeah, it would just be like a single, but it was with him and like Eminem and Lil Wayne and somebody else. I I still think it's a Drake song though. Yeah, well, he gets the first verse. I think. Pretty sure he's the he's the hook too, doesn't he? been a long time yeah what's crazy about that is none of it makes any sense right like if you think about it there's no reason for him to be on this track it's kanye west in his prime like eminem little wayne all in their prime and then this random dude who just made like a mixtape and was on Degrassi like a week ago i i don't want to break out the conspiracy only like 10 minutes into this podcast but why the hell did drake become so important in like or like it's such a on with so many prominent figures that jump-started his career. Couldn't tell you. Because it's not his, like, lyrics. His lyrics aren't that good. They're not that good. I, I, it's it's going to be the same thing when we address his women, or, like, his flings. Like, yeah. what is so special about Drake? He's, like, all he does is just complain. <laughs> he's not the, He's just, like, average-looking. Like, I, there's just something, I guess, about... Drake that people are drawn to? I don't know. I don't see it, but... Charisma and character, I guess, is what does it for him. Um, But yeah, So Far Gone was a good place to start, but, like, let's be real, up until probably 2011, Drake's entire career was pretty much carried by Lil Wayne. And so then we get into his... um, into his first album, Thank Me Later, released in 2010 played over and 
over over again. But was was over the best song off of that album? No, I, I you know me, I'm a sucker for any song with Alicia Keys. Yeah. And uh, her hook is you know a plus in my book. It's a heater of an opening song too. I think that's why I kind of liked a little bit of the album because it has fireworks and over like right off the bat. And and you know my stand is you have to have two of your best four songs have to be in like the first three songs. Yeah, you gotta get people in. And that's what he did here because the rest of the album is just kind of there. In terms of in terms of an opening album, where does this rank for you? So this is his this is his freshman album. Is this a is this a met? You were met about it. Is it good, bad, or this was just scintillating from start to finish? You were just fired up about. Thank you later. I think it was a B. It's a B. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't um like worthy enough of. It's not like College Dropout with Kanye. Yeah. It's not an album you can listen to. Like I can listen to College Dropout like front to and right now and yeah. you can't do that with thank me later but there are a few songs in thank me later that are on a few playlists you know they're good songs but yeah. it's still very culturally relevant today yeah but it's also not a bad album so that's why i give it the b maybe the, the old bc yeah so for me i i'm kind of on the same page as you uh i'm gonna i'm gonna relate this already back we're gonna bring taylor swift back into this with the same rating scale um, Perfect. Where, where yes, or so basically, it's like how many of the songs am I skipping if I'm listening to this from start to finish? And every single time, I'm probably banging fireworks to like just get that going. Karaoke is an underrated number two song. I feel like it's when Drake first discovers the fact that he can like sing in some type of falsetto, which was pretty cool. How they got the dream on this album as well and shut it down, which was like kind of the extension from So Far Gone. It was it was the next, like, or logical thing where, like, they had a night off featuring Lloyd, and then they had uh, Shut It Down featuring The Dream, where they just get into, like, this acapella, just kind of, like, sexy stuff, which I think was... <laughs> I'm going to describe that as how Drake <laughs> must have attracted, like, the female audience, and he's always a little bit vocal about that. Um, but anyway, so I, I'm going to say out of the 14 tracks on the original listing... Um, the ones that I skip over every, like, Thank Me Now is just not that good of a song. Find Your Love became a cult hit somehow. Um, and it's okay, but not amazing. Um. So you pretty much just stop the album at, like, the ninth song. And you're like, alright, I'm good. Yeah. And there were, yeah, you, cause Light Up, it has Jay-Z on it, and then Jay-Z never did anything else with Drake afterwards, because it was, like, the worst track on the album. Um. It, it was. This was. Yeah. This was a total whiff by both of them. Um, if I Goons had to power, goblins. If I had to power rank this album, I would probably give this one. It can't be below a B minus for me. So I'm in this cause just because of the star power of Firework, Karaoke, Over, Up All Night, and Fancy. Because that was that was also like the Nicki Minaj thing, and I don't know if we can tie those in together, but. The, the first, this could have been another mixtape. It could have been like eight people or eight songs, and then just like called it quits there. But the length is double what it needed to be. Well, I mean, don't get me started on length with Drake because 
once we get into his later albums, oh it just gets into all right. I'm. I just can't take this anymore. And fourteen is too much. And like, fourteen is too much when there are too many like average songs on there. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like I'm writing a Rolling Stone review, but somebody tell him quality (laughs) over quantity. Like nobody needs to listen to a two-hour. Like at at some point, he's just going to put out like his own random thoughts just to fill like podcast time or something like that. Like you can you can stop it at you can stop the album at thirty-five minutes if you have nine great songs. And people will buy that and listen to it, and they'll love it. But uh, that's—I I think that's the defining difference between Drake and somebody like Kendrick Lamar, whose songs, like his albums, have tended to run a little long. But each, like he takes his time in between releasing them, and like really comes into like there's a reason for every song in his storytelling. Yeah, like old Kanye. Yeah. Pre. Pre Jesus Kanye. I feel like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy had fourteen songs as well, but it's like it had ten heaters. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this um, has like three. So so yeah, that's what we've got for album number one, and then somehow only like seventeen or sixteen months later, um, and just for record, thank me later went two times platinum, gold, platinum. I don't even know. It was it was bought a lot. It sold one point eight. Million sales in the United States and made it to like number one on every chart. But uh, so then we go into Take Care like 16 months later for his sophomore album. And what were your impressions of this one? I thought this was his coming out party, this album. Because this is when his hits start getting played on mainstream radio. You had headlines for the white boys who like to rap. And yep. you had the motto for white girls who like to rap. It was Kiss FM, like heaven, this album. Yep. It's Thank Me Later, but a lot longer, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, way longer. I think from uh, starting to get into another thing that I've, I've mentioned a few times already, but what's most impressive about these albums is, are the people that come on and work with him actually like listen to this list and the people and like what they've accomplished since then and what they've done we have the weekend rihanna kendrick lamar birdman Nicki minaj rick ross little wayne andre 3000 that's the people featured on this album that is an an insane list and the thing is like for instance the weekend when I first listened to this album in, what was this, 2011, 12? Yeah. I had no clue who The Weeknd was. I didn't know The Weeknd until, like, four years later, 2016, 2015. Yeah. So on re-listening to this album, it's like, oh, yeah, Crew Love, that's The Weeknd? Like, now I know it's even more loaded, this album. Yeah, and the same thing rings true for Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Like, these, like, these guys, like, I actually... I feel like Drake deserves a legitimate amount of credit because no one had heard of The Weeknd and he had just some like very eclectic mixtapes out at this time that were like kind of fucked up almost in terms of like their content but like and like Kendrick Lamar had, had some pretty legit raps out but they weren't anything like what he's done since then uh, being on these Drake albums actually kind of elevated these people into star power um, I'm totally with you this is this is his best work um, until we get to one other album I don't think it's his best work. I just think it's his 
what got him to stardom. Oh, I think this is his best one. Oh, you do? I, there's one other album that, like, kind of rivals it, but this is his peak for me. His sophomore album is, like, when this came out and the songs on this, just the entire combination of it. There's also, I like, we'll touch on this pretty much every time. There's some pretty big whiffs here for me in terms of, like, just not very good songs, but the overall core of what makes this album go, like, uh, Make Me Proud with Nicki Minaj, Cameras, um, Shot For Me, Headlines, even even the, the start of this one starts out pretty strong. Um, maybe, maybe it's not at its peak, but it's, it's definitely a step up from So Far Gone. Do you have a favorite song in this album? Yeah, it, just like Fireworks, I said I'm a sucker for features with women in it, singing the hook. So obviously Take Care with Rihanna's my favorite. And I think it might be his only good song with Rihanna ever. That's the hot take. Ooh, sizzling over here. Yeah. I, um, oh, go ahead. No, that's fine. That's, that's really all I got to say is Take Care, I feel like it's the best song by a landslide. But it's not the most popular song. I feel like if we're talking popular, it was probably the model, right? Just because of the phrase YOLO came out of this song. Yeah. Like, people, Drake pop, like made the phrase YOLO. Somehow. Yeah. So, yeah. And that one wasn't even on the, that wasn't even on the album. No. That was on the, bo- that was the bonus the track. The bonus track, yeah. And usually Drake singles don't end up on albums. We'll, we'll talk about it later. But I feel like the motto was just so popular and being played on the radio station's Billboard Top 40s that he just had to put it as the bonus track to this album. All right, we've done a, we've done a lot of foreshadowing. Uh, should we hop into the next album? Yep, and it's nothing was the same. And it's... My my favorite album. It's his best album. And I th- it has a lot to do with Hold On, We're Going Home, which is my favorite Drake song. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm torn between this and Take Care for being my favorite album. This, this one really speaks to me personally. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to say I... So I've, I've been... I've, from time to time, I got very obsessed with Drake and his albums, but I do remember this one specifically because uh, I think this came out in like November of 2013. I want to say. Yes. Uh, 
like my junior uh, September twenty thirteen. Whatever. Close enough. Close enough. Like fall. Fall junior year. And this was pretty much when partying, I think, in college got really, really real. Um, so <laughs> Those two AM realizations in the bathroom of a Wendy's <laughs> gets real. Um, Oh. <laughs> oh god i don't want to know your thoughts there it's more of a topper's pizza but yeah this, this, this one really really has broad strokes for me um it's it's a hold on we're going home by itself i i actually kind of have to get down with that as maybe the best song all right before you go any further what is the topper's pizza of drake albums views Scorpion? Yeah. Alright. Alright, go back to what you're saying. I just had to get that out there. Can we, can we guess toppers if they want to sponsor this podcast? We're still looking for a segment sponsor for this one. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, I'm also trying to lose five pounds. <laughs> they just send us free pizza. They just they won't even have to make the pizza for us. I'm going to go on a toppers tangent real quick, but I still remember going there at like 2.30 in the morning. And, like, we were all so poor uh, that we wouldn't want to even necessarily, we couldn't afford to buy the pizza. And, like, the lines were long and it was crowded. But it, So if there was pizza available and, like, people hadn't eaten all of it, there was, like, a chance that somebody in the crew was just trying to snag a slice of, like, leftover pizza just, like, on a table or, like, a crust or something. Just really ratchet stuff. Anyway. I have heartburn just thinking about that story. also loaded at the top a really really good album with like non um things that i feel like he somehow shortened this album in length except for it's still an hour um pound cake is when jay-z redeems himself completely hold on we're going home pushes the album forward um jenna aiko just is an amazing combination with drake uh that i feel like that was something that other albums have missed as well um, and for this thing, we're good. But it also kind of felt like uh, the one thing that I disliked about this album was as the theory that you brought up before of the top four songs. Um, started from the bottom. I didn't love as much as everybody did. And I hated the song Tuscan Leather, and I thought Wu-Tang Forever wasn't very good. So three out of the first four for me were kind of not where I wanted it to be. But the album really starts picking up at about track five. Couldn't agree more on Tuscan Leather. It it's my only beef with the album, honestly. It's the only song I don't like. And a lot has to do with there's just too many N words in the first two minutes of the song. I just have to skip the song. I can't listen to a song if it's just loaded with N words. It it just, you know, you feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, you, you can't just like be screaming those. Um those are you, you maybe mumble that into your breath, I don't know, like in your room when you listen to the album, but you can't you can't like go say that out loud. Can't work out to it, you know. It might, you know, your headphones might slip out. <laughs> uh, um, I'm gonna have to say this is about like this album was probably when I could start lifting to Drake music. Before it was like I might have an emotional breakdown. That's that's the direction that like his music was sending you. But like worst behavior, 
low-key pump-up song. Yeah. It, it, I'll, it's a hard song to work out to. I tried the other day, obviously re-listening to all these albums, but Emotional Drake is the best Drake. <laughs> it's not, like I said, it's not, it's not the best album to work out to, but it's his best album to listen to. And it, yeah. it breezes by. That's why it's also one of my favorites. Is it you just coast through this loneliness Drake or loneliness to Drake is like what a four seam fastball is to Garrett Cole. Like the two just go together. Are we allowed to are we allowed to bring up Garrett Cole on this podcast? I might have PTSD here. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's just I was just trying to think of the most a pitcher with the most dominant pitch, and Garrett Cole's four seaver came. First yeah, nine. It's, it's the brush to an artist. It's the fastball to the pitcher. It's the Pirates aiming for a hundred losses in any given season. It's it's really what defines them. This is this album is really the start of Drake's takeover as best rapper as well. Because this is right when Kanye stopped making music and went full crazy, and none of the other guys like Kendrick Lamar. Or J. Cole really, like, made it big yet. Yeah. Like, really I feel did. like they were, like, 2014, 2015 is when their their main triple platinum album started coming out. Yeah, J, like, Kendrick Lamar, at, actually, this was a great year for music, I want to say, because I think Good Kid, Mad City came out right around now. Um, I thought it was yeah. a year later, but I'm probably wrong. I was going to say, I think it was... Like, nobody knew about it when it got released because nobody would ever heard of Kendrick Lamar, basically, except for the little thing that he did on Take Care. But I think it got actually released in, like, the fall of 2012, and nobody listened to it until, like, the summer, maybe, of 20... Uh, I guess 2012, 13? Something like that? Anyway, yeah. So, like, that's when yeah, sorority girls found out about it? That's when people started... That's when swimming pools became popular. But, like, nobody listened to the music or had really gone through the albums. I felt like it was like, wow, this is really good. But, yeah, nothing was the same. It was just like, oh, man, he's here. And then for, like, J. Cole, there just weren't enough, like, singles on his albums. And he, I don't think he built the brand that Drake had built where he was mainstream enough. Um, so, yeah, this was Drake's Ascension. And it's his third album. It's typically the album I think that most people associate with your best album is your third Um and I think that it, it checked it checked most of the boxes for me, but uh, it also I think foreshadows like some of the other albums when he starts to like get a little weird with like Tuscan Leather and uh, Wu Tang Forever is pretty good, but like a, a, like one swing and miss there it started it started to snowball on him, and length length really became an issue as the albums got further in his career. Usually when I say this is my favorite album from an artist musician. It's because I can connect to these their songs. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't connect with any like Drake songs ever, including, <laughs> may like, yeah. I get a little teary eye think you know, listening to "Hold On, We're Going Home," thinking about you know the one, but like Paris Morton music about a high school reunion don't connect resonate with that too much. You know, greedy family don't don't resonate with that. Start from the bottom. Well, you know, it's like well, I'm not a millionaire. Yeah, I feel that one. That one, that one resonates with me. <laughs> <laughs> it should just be like, stayed at the bottom. If Where's that was a song. 
worst behavior resonates with me because it's like, I think I'm bad. Because you don't pay for your topper pizza. <laughs> yeah, your worst behavior. It's just such a, it's such a, me and Drake are on the same page here. We're just suburban kids uh, just thinking that we're way cooler than we are, that we're totally badass, and we're like running around dropping F-bombs, and it's like, we're, we're both pretty lame and like basically white, so. Um, Speaking of starting from the bottom, uh, saving the best version, Estamos Aquí by Archangel is the remi- like Spanish remix to start from the bottom, and it's a million times better. And it was also Carlos Gomez's batting song when he was with the Brewers, so shouts out Cargo. Is he still in the league or after, like, what, what happened after he went to the Astros? He went on the Rays because I went to a game last year in Tampa, and his batting song was the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song. I feel like he's on a team this year that's like the Marlins or somebody that's in last place. Maybe the Tigers. I feel like he might still be on the Rays. Maybe that was no way. Year. They're too good to be. He might be on the bench. He he's probably trade. on the Rangers. I think he started the year on the Rays. Oh, he's in the Mets AAA team. Oh, maybe that's why I saw him because I might have seen him in a Mets game. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was on the Mets to start and now he's on their AAA team. That makes sense. Yeah, he was not good. But I did see the Rays play this year. Maybe that, that all makes sense now. Anyway, all right. So we've anointed... Yeah, I think so far the first album definitely was the worst of his first three. This is this is following a similar, similar trajectory to Taylor Swift. And then, like, two got better. And then three, for me, like, Red was the peak. Nothing, nothing was the same and Take Care were pretty similar for me. Um, okay, what do you want to move to next? Because we have, his next album is Views. Um, he does this thing with, uh, with Future and the, he waits a long time actually to release. If you're reading this, it's too late relative to how quickly he was releasing other stuff. Um, which one of those do you want to go into first? We can just quick dive into those two mixtapes because they technically both went platinum. Yeah, they were something. Is so. Let's, I guess we can go into a few of them. Um, I already said how he doesn't do well with like other people do albums, and it because what a time to be alive is really Future's album. Like Future's lines in every song are better than Drake. I feel like when I like watch The Throne with Kanye and Jay Z, yeah, it's a fluid album. They both just were in and out, killing it. Future's rapping is just more natural. It's more rappy. <laughs> That's not a word, but you get what I'm saying. He just feels more like a rapper. I felt I like that analysis. I like where you're at on that. Because I'm going to say a few things. One, what a bizarre time this was. Like, it was called, this mixtape was called What a Time to Be Alive. But what a bizarre time that two rappers decided to team up and then make like 45 minutes of rapping. Just like, Going in, those two. Like, it didn't even I mean, feel like Drake rapped, though, and what a time to be alive. Yeah, it wasn't. That's. I thought this was a horrible album, personally. I did. I, I think I listened to it once. Big Rings was absolutely terrible. Jumpman was terrible, and those were the only big songs on it. So I struggled to, like, come up with, like, my own opinion, like you're saying, on this album, because, like, they were just so bad, the songs. But I did read this one review, and it... <laughs> It makes me chuckle because, like I said, what a time to be alive is a rap album. But this 
this guy quoted saying, "No one more, no one moans more captivatingly than Drake," and that's really what what a time to be alive was was Future rapping and then Drake just kind of like gossiping, like complaining. Well, that's what I was about to ask. Drake's not a rapper, is he? His only like true rap song is "Energy." It's the only like song I can think of where Drake is angry. In most rap songs, you have to be like a somewhat angry. He's like an upbeat. He's like a he's like a musician on coke. Like he just talks kind of fast on that, and then he and then he has like he has his highs, and then he has his lows, and then it's over, and that's the album. That's what listening to Drake is like. He's that's almost like, like a lounge singer, <laughs> but like instead of piano, it's like beats in the background. You know, he's he'd be at like some Vegas casino talking to some like married couple about love, but it he's doing it not like I said to a to some beat instead of classical piano. How many drinks do you think Drake has before he records each song on an album? Is he like What do you think Drake drinks? Is he just like a one glass of scotch guy? I think he's the house red guy. <laughs> I can just see him being like a shot of Soko and then he switches to like a like a cider for the rest of the night. Like, oh man, that Soko killed me. Drake, Drake buys everybody fireball shots. But doesn't take one? Speaking of drinking, he doesn't belong in the song I'm the Plug. Because <laughs> he's why not a plug. He's... Why is that a song name? I just was kind of curious. What? Why, why did they decide? Why, why, is, why is that a song at all? <laughs> well, I mean, I get, like, if Future's, like, whatever, he's, you know, he's slinging, like, yeah, okay, he's the plug. But yeah. Drake, like, what did Drake plug in besides, like, his phone charger? <laughs> I was trying to think of something and it just wasn't coming to me. So we've spent, we've spent enough time on quite possibly. Uh, it's it's in, it's definitely one of the worst things that Drake spent about thirty five minutes like really drunk on. It's so I do want to have one compliment and it's the song Jump Man because you can't go to an NBA game nowadays without hearing that song. So props to him for at least getting that out there. Yes. If you're reading this, it's too late. What were your thoughts? Obviously better than What a Time to Be Alive, but it's this is like a bad patch for Drake. Because then you go to Views next, which I think is his worst album. Yeah. He's just got a bad run in him. And it's tough right after coming out of Nothing Was the Same. But maybe I just have like a stink in my mouth. That's why I didn't like this album because it was just a few bad apples in a row. Yeah. So for whatever reason, I love this album. 
this is this is uh this is a uh, I'm on the Taylor Swift whatever that album was. Reputation. Not reputation. We're we're on the same page on the reputation. Um, 1989. This uh-huh. is a 1989 dichotomy between the two of us. Mm. I thought if you're reading this, it's too late. It was great. It just kind of like. They just kind of like snuck up, and it was like, "Oh, this is here all of a sudden." Um, I think the fact that it was so different than everything else that he had done previously, um, and he doesn't really like rely on it. I, I just found like the everything a lot catchier, um, and the flow is pretty good. It seemed like it fit logically. There's definitely some whiffs on here, but I, I was. I was really entertained, I guess, by, like, Legend, um, and, like, just the way that it, the album starts and then goes into energy, and, like, the, I, I like, like, I really enjoyed the people who were talking on the track, like, the Jamaican guys, I'm, I'm assuming they're Jamaican, but, like, whoever the, whoever the guys are that are, he's, like, chatting with, and they're, like, randomly included in there, but I really, I like that part of it, um, and then there's some pretty good songs. Um, it really tapers off at the end, but like, um, Preach is pretty good, Star 67, um, Used To with Lil Wayne, they, they've yet to not make a hit together. I, I overall like this album, I didn't feel like there were really that many weak spots in it. Yeah, one of the, my main beefs with this album is, there's two, there's two or three too many, um, What's that called when you have a beef with a rapper? Diss tracks. There's three diss tracks on this album, which is three too many. Um, I just don't like so. I don't like diss tracks. I just don't. I don't find anything appealing about you having a beef with a guy because you have a similar beat, or because you're in some legal argument about over stealing lyrics. Like none of that stuff. That's just boring to me. We'll get into the beefs, so I'll save all that. Too much dissing. It, it really got him. Alright, so, I liked if you're reading it, it's, this is too late. I liked it a lot. Chilson did not. That's okay. He, he tried his best on this album. It wasn't but, as bad as Views, though. But, yeah, we're... Alright, we gotta find Views here. Um, we're in What a Time to Be Alive. Alright, Views. We got into a dark place on Views. Um... I feel like when you start with views, you have to start with Hotline Bling, right? Just because of the phenomena that was Hotline Bling. Yes. That, it, that's a good point to start. I like that. And I feel like, again, this we're kind of going 1989 territory. I heard Hotline Bling in this album so many times from Lenny that <laughs> I just it just made me hate it. You know, Lenny playing Hotline Bling every time he took a shower every day. Doing the Hotline Bling dance, you know, cooking. It's just like... You just you get too much of views and it just it boils you up and then they're just bad songs. Let let me just give you this quote from this lyric. Turn that six upside down and it's a nine. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> you know it's just I don't know it's just. <laughs> And that's yeah. that's right off the bat. That's I feel like that's the first or second song, nine in the album. It's just 
That's easier to repeat that like multiple times. And well, it starts out like that. It's like, oh man. This there, is... were two, there were two. I mean, if, if nine is forgettable, or it should not have been, a, should, no one should have ever made that a track on an album. Grammys should never have been allowed on it. <laughs> never have just been made as a song. Yeah. And it's with Future too, so they couldn't put this on their crap album together or mixtape. Yeah, I feel like if you don't like the popular songs in the album, you're going to hate the album. So I don't like Hotline Bling, I don't like One Dance, I don't like Control of the three radio songs I don't like, then it's going to just translate to you hating the album no matter what. Yeah, and we have to be realistic, like Too Good is not as good as Take Care with Rihanna, like it's definitely a step down. It's a terrible song. Yeah. Uh... If I had gunned in my head to pick a song that was my favorite on this album, I would probably choose Feel No Ways because it's a better hotline bling. I like Feel No Ways, actually. I'll, I'll take that back for the first for the first six. You can get rid of five of them. And <laughs> Western Road Flows is so bad. His attempt to be like speaking to his roots and like how cool he was in Toronto, it's just... It really just needs to stop. There's like nobody cares. Um, but redemption and with you, for whatever reason, I really like the flow on the song. The lyrics, the lyrics for redemption are not that great. Um, with you, party next door really, really brings this album. Like if it, if it could have been like really in the trash and like a bottom barrel garbage album, party next door saves this album. From being very forgettable. I can agree. I just have nothing else to add because that's how much I hate this album. I love it. <laughs> well, I don't love the album. I think that I think that this is solidly behind Nothing Was the Same and Take Care, and it's definitely worse than Thank Me Later. But I did like a couple songs on it. So this is your worst album thus far? Like I said, it's got a lot of radio songs. They're just not good. Yeah, it's just not a really great overall album, in my opinion. Uh, 
Kind of reminds me of the new Taylor Swift, where like her her radio songs for the album are just straight trash, but there are a few okay songs in there. I have listened to More Life and Scorpion. Um, I have a, I can do a quick... More Life is my second favorite album because it's a Breeze By album. Like, nothing was the same. There's But the thing is, there's no heaters. There's no... Like... I don't think there's one song on More Life that I'll put in, like, a playlist. Or I'll just play, oh, that's a great song. Like, there's no A1 songs on it, but... There are also no bad songs, so it's just a Breeze By album. Yeah, I I would really agree with that. This is probably his most forgettable album. Because Free Smoke is a horrible song. But then after that, I really like don't remember any of these. I like vaguely remember like the weird accents on Galchester. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, but like Portland has Quavo and Travis Scott in it. I don't remember that song at all. It's just like... Like, I know it, it that was a bar like, song. But yeah, it doesn't... I, I, like, don't really remember it. It, it was just kind of there. Um, the only song that I remember being vaguely good was Ice Melts. Yeah, I like Ice Melts. My favorite song, though, and I'm kind of basic for it, is Passion Fruit. Oh, it's, my, it's my one, like, Drake fangirl, sorority girl, guilty pleasure, and it's Passion Fruit. <laughs> of all the guilty pleasures, it's passion fruit on this album. What a yeah, what a forgettable album. Yep. Okay. More life. And then what are your thoughts on Scorpion, which I, I have not listened to. I've listened to God's Plan and Nice for What. Alright, so there's twenty five tracks on this album. Fif- so probably about fifteen or sixteen too many. There's just a lot of bad songs on it. It's split into two sides. Side one is rap, side two is R and B. Um Nice for what and In My Feelings are is A1 radio songs, and they're great songs. And then you have Nonstop, which is an A1 high school basketball, JV basketball pump-up song. He's back to making those. <laughs> Did he ever leave? Yeah, he, he had a little bit of a phase where he left. This album, it just pretty much tracks like his fatherhood issues. But we'll get into this with his flings. It's hard to feel bad for him. When you're sleeping with half the women on Instagram. <laughs> like, this is like a feel bad for me album. Like, oh, woe is me. I have so many, like, problems. So many people coming after my money, my fame. It's like, eh. Yeah, okay, dude, you're famous. Like, it happens. Yeah. I think that that's one of the hardest things for me to relate to Drake on. Is I relate to him about complaining because I also love to complain about everything. But... I don't relate to him because my problems, his problems seem so pathetic and like self-inflicted and they're just like, oh, bummer, I have like, I knocked up a girl. Well, my problem is like, oh, they seem a lot more realistic than his. Yeah. Um, my favorite lyric is from Diplomatic Immunity. It goes, I got the sauce and now shorties keep claiming prego. Drake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a pretty good lyric, actually. 
<laughs> yeah, that's just pretty much like how every song is though. Like I said, it just deals with shorties, shotties, just trying to get that dough, get that fame, get their ten seconds of fame on TMZ. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. All right, so shotties, you want to go into his flings? He has like a hundred people, and about seventy of them I don't know who they are. Maybe even ninety of them. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Do you want to go like in order, or do you just want to go in just with who we know? I want to first talk about Jennifer Lopez, like two month dating when they just were taking weird pics on Instagram. It was, like, r- before she met A-Rod. So she was dating Drake for about one or two months. They were taking these weird, like, photos on Instagram where he was just holding her, like, belly, and he was behind her, like, kissing her neck. They took yeah, it at least, like, weird. every day. It was these weird photos. And then they broke up. She met A-Rod, and they got married, like, six months later. Wow. Have you ever had any relationships like that? Well, I don't have uh, any social media, so no. I avoid all that. <laughs> I avoid having to take pictures. This is nice. Except now, like, the worst part about not having social media is people still sometimes take pictures and you just don't see if you look bad or good or bad in them. Like, a lot, like, I once saw a picture my mom took and it was just, like, basically, like, a photo, like, up and it was just covering, like, my double chin. Like on my side, it's like, oh my god, why would you post that picture? But I, I can't do anything about it because I'm yeah. not on it. Sometimes they say ignorance is bliss, but then you, yeah, yeah, maybe it's better not than nothing. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have saw that photo. That's for sure. Yeah, we we go on a whole tangent about how no social media is really just it's it's awesome. I love it. Just got a lot more free time. Yeah. A lot of time to listen to Drake. Yeah. And, like, think about him and J-Lo. So, uh, we want to talk about Nicki Minaj next, because this one I have so many, so many comments on. Yeah, I felt, I feel like this is probably, this is, this is what we have to, this is, this is probably where we have to start and unpack it. Because they probably were together in, like, since the beginning, right? The YMCMB days. They definitely boned, right? They fucked, like, all the time. Like, 2006 to 2009. Well, the real question is, when do you think Drake started having sex at all? Because I'm not convinced that it happened until, like, 2012. I was just going to say, I agree with you. Because that's when he's starting to, like, go out with, like, supermodels and athletes. Yeah, it was just, And he's only going out with them, like, once. And then they're, like, they want to go out again with him. He's like, nah. And he just goes on to the next one. It's, yeah, he realized who he was. Because before that, he was going just, like, he was going steady with, like, one person for, like, a year. Yeah. Like a Rihanna. I, I feel like even more important than this Drake podcast is, can we do a rehash of the Young Money, Cash Money, Billionaires days? Like, who? So Drake made it out of that pretty successfully. Nicki Minaj, 
made it out of that very successfully. Who the hell else was in that? What was it? Young Money, what was it called? Young Money, Cash Money, Billionaires, I think? YMCMB, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't French Montana in it? There's gotta be like a list. Uh, all right, okay, it's, it's saying that Chanel West Coast was in it. <laughs> the Young Money Entertainment is that notable artist uh, Drake, Folk, Lil Twist. Corey Guns. They did like three songs together. It felt like. It says DJ Khaled part time. Yeah. Tyga. Omarion. Bed, bedrock. That for sure was like, that was their thing. Anyway, um, maybe back to Nicki Minaj, but uh, yeah, what, yeah what, what takes do you want to unpack on Nicki Minaj? So, I was reading these articles and they were saying that Nicki Minaj sees Drake as her brother. And I oh. can't, I, I just don't believe that. Just seeing, like, just one, the Anaconda lap dance she gave him. The da- lap dance in the in the music video Anaconda. Like, you don't give your brother that kind of dance. You you give that kind of dance to somebody you fucked before. Yeah. So, that, it's, just, it's just a weird relationship. And then, apparently, I was reading in research that Drake wrote Take Care about Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Like, that he was obsessed with her and wanted to marry her. Just sounds like Drake's obsessed with it's the one side relationship. Yeah. yeah I think it, he was obsessed with Nicki Minaj for like basically all throughout Take Care. And the Meek Mill beef is because of Nicki Minaj. Yeah. So there's definitely it's definitely not a brother sister relationship. It's definitely like the first girl it's like the first girl that he ever really liked a relationship. It's a stepbrother stepsister relationship. Yeah, it's like a really Kentucky backwoods type of relationship. Like we're all part of this young money cat. It's like, it's it's like their first. So they're like colleagues, right? Like they worked at the same company together, and like they liked each other. But then it got weird because it was like his first girlfriend ever, and so yeah, and it, it got too complicated. So he messed that up, and then he just had to move on. And then he kind of moves on to Rihanna, right? Yeah, but he's also dating, like, Rihanna. Yeah. And, like, he, like, went after... He went on two dates with Tyra Banks. So... Like, I'm not going on dates with Tyra Banks. Yeah, so what's the... I don't think we're that relatable. I guess let's jump into the Rihanna. Was there anything else you want to say about the weirdness between... No, that was... That was it. Okay, because... We gotta talk about Rihanna, because... How is this overlapping with the Chris Brown timeline? Um, I feel like they, like, Drake and Rihanna were, like, an on-and-off couple. Yeah. Like, he was almost, I feel like, not an on-and-off couple, but I feel like he was the substitute. He was the backup for yeah. Rihanna. And so, like, every time Chris Brown would just beat the shit out of her, they would break up. Like, she would just go to Drake. 
and they would like yeah. quote unquote date for a month, and then they would you know break up, and then Rihanna would get back with Chris Brown. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, the early days it was just Drake was a cuck basically. Yeah, and I, I kind of get the sense that it never evolved beyond that. Yeah, but, they were never a serious couple. Yeah, but I, I mean, he did a couple songs with her, and I'm sure that he like he was probably a little bit more obsessed with her than she ever was. But um, yeah, it is it is weird because Chris Brown comes across in all of this as like such a gangster, and then Drake comes along as like. I don't know, this pansy, but they're both really essentially pansies. It's just, yeah, and then they, like, their egos kind of get inflated. The other thing that I guess I was just thinking about with all of this is how similar Drake's timeline is to Antonio Brown's, um, where their ascension to stardom basically was, like, the same timeline, and then they kind of peaked, and now they're both doing different things with their Yeah, I don't think Antonio Brown has quite the lineup that Drake has, though. I'm yeah, looking at some of these names, and it's like, all right, you got the usual suspects like Amber Rose, Black China. You got a bunch of Instagram models. You got some porn stars. You got John and Nicole. Then, for some reason, I don't know, there's a rumor Rashida Jones, Parks and Rec, office, Karen in the office. That's a wild one. Yeah. Karen think- in the office and Drake. That does not seem like a good mix. I think that the one that I think of the most is the Serena Williams one. That one never made any sense to me. Not at all. And he still, like, goes to her matches every now and then. He was just at the last Wimbledon he cheering like, her on. He was, like, legit. Or was that two Wimbledons ago? Yeah, they were, they, they were caught kissing, like, multiple times. I'm pretty sure he, like, wanted to marry her, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, all his beefs... I'm like now. I'm thinking about like half his beefs are just over women, like Meek Mill, um, Nicki Minaj, Chris Brown, Rihanna, Common, Serena Williams. Like every <laughs> this dude just can't keep his hands off of other dudes' exes. Yeah. Well, it seems I don't understand the Serena Williams thing at all because she, it it just doesn't seem to make sense. Like the timeline doesn't make sense for him too, but. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. I don't. Know. I like how though she went from like Common and Drake to like the Reddit founder. The Reddit founder, <laughs> just complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Who, who's next? There was this weird like fetish too. He had, he tried getting with Cat Dennings from Two Broke Girls. That was weird. That was a weird time. He went on a few dates with Taraja P. Henson, even though she's like 20 years older than him. That was weird. And then he he briefly dated uh, Haley Baldwin before she got with Bieber. Yeah, I see that on this list. This is this is some really staggering stuff. He's just basically good luck Chuck, apparently. Jennifer Lopez, Haley Baldwin. Yeah. More or less. Um, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. So then... Yeah, maybe this is a good time. So then what's what's his next, his, uh, like, when does it all go wrong for him, basically? Because it seems like... I feel like it goes wrong, like, last year when the, the baby mama drama stuff came out with that, that, that adult film star. Yeah, so his beef was with... What's his name? Do we even remember who his beef is? Like, 
forget what the guy's name is. For his, what? Uh, who his rap battle was, and then his baby mama thing came out. That was rumored. Or, that nobody... Like, first, how do you keep that under wraps for... Wasn't that Meek Mill? Uh... No, Meek Mill was because he, he had a ghostwriter. Who was the, uh... Yeah, somebody... Cause then, like he like confessed, even though he didn't need to. Yeah, I, I should I should know this one. All right, while you look it up though, the, her name was Sophie Brousseau. She's a French, Sorry. maybe adult film star. Yep. I'm I'm not uh, familiar with her work. Maybe one day I will be, but <laughs> as of right now, I'm not. That's. I feel like that was the biggest curveball. Like the one baby mama drama that comes out, and it's like the one name we don't know. There's so yeah. many names we just read. That's like, oh, yeah, okay, they got together. But, like, the one confirmed when he has a kid with, it's like, her? Yeah, that one was really surprising. Um, I'm surprised there's not more, though. There's not more porn stars or Instagram models that are... I'm sure, like, every, like, night he's got to take a paternity test, but... I, I guess I just don't understand how he was able... Like, yeah, I one, how he was able to avoid becoming a parent for so long. And number two, how he was able to hide being a parent for so long. Like, being in the public public spotlight. Yeah. I'm looking at his beefs now, and they just don't make any sense. Because, like I said, Common, they fought over Serena Williams. He fought Pusha T. I don't even know why he fought Pusha T. Oh, that's who it is. I'm pretty sure it's Pusha T. Is it? Yeah, I'm like, this is, he has so many beefs that this is going very slowly, but I'm like, pretty sure it's Pusha T. Well, Pusha T wrote Exodus 23-1, and that's like one of Pusha T's best songs, and it's the diss to Drake. Yeah. One of the all-time great, maybe even one of my favorite rap songs. Drake, I don't think, has won a, 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 a beef. He's got ludicrous because of stealing flows, which, like, who gets who gets mad about stealing like beats and flows? It's we've been alive for like hundreds or hundreds, thousands and thousands of millions of years. At least like music has been around for a hundred, you know, hundreds of years. People are stealing flows and lyrics and everything all the time. So yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Then the Taiga one is pretty hilarious. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. He, Meek Mill, Tyga, Chris Brown, obviously over uh, Rihanna, uh, even Kanye West. Ugh, that was that's a lot. Yeah, the Chris Brown one. They like got an actual like altercation at a at a club. They were like throwing bottles. The Larry Sanders special at each yeah. other. And then the uh, Meek Mill was because of Ghostwriter. Meek Mill said that Drake doesn't write any of his music, which is kind of funny. Yeah, Drake's just like a a thin-skinned guy, though, so, like, Meek Mill says one thing, and then it's, like, four diss tracks coming your way. At least, yeah. He's, like, the, he's literally, like, the guy, or the girl that you text the wrong thing to, and instead of ignoring, it's just, like, you're going in his journal. Like, you're going in the burn book. Yeah, I don't know why him and Tyga got beef, but the lyric, or the, I don't even know if it was a lyric or if it was a quote, where he's, like, you need to 
No, he said it at on stage, like in between songs. He's like, Tyga, you need to act your own age, not your girl's age. Because that was when he was dating Kylie Jenner and she was like 16 or 17. Yeah. That was a good diss. And he didn't even put it in a, a song because Drake sucks at writing diss tracks. His best diss wasn't even in a song. Speaking of Kylie Jenner, did you see the new Playboy cover? She's going to be on it? Yeah. Yeah, she's going to be on it. Oh, wow. Playboy's still around. They haven't, like, gotten defeated due to a digital age. Uh, I don't know. This is the first I've heard of Playboy in years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something. What are your thoughts on, uh, girls like Kylie Jenner? Yeah, like, so I'm a huge hypocrite when it comes to Kylie Jenner because I'm very pro, like, just making, if you want to be, like, I'm very pro surgery, very pro, like, you know, taking vitamins, working out, whatever it takes necessary to become more beautiful to, like, to, if you want to, like, look be- more beautiful. Is what you're saying. You're I, saying. Yeah, like, I understand. Like, if I had the money to do surgeries, I would as well. So I don't fault them. But then in another sense, I'm like, oh, she's plastic. Sometimes I'll say that. So I don't know where I stand on it. I feel like when I mean she's plastic, it's probably like she's had everything given to her. And so in that sense, I don't like her. Like, I don't hate her her new image because she looks nothing like she did five years ago you know, pre-surgeries. Yeah, I I can say I definitely dislike when people have been given to them due to their affluence and their standing, like, from nothing that they earned. Uh, but I also, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, if there was a way to look more attractive, like... Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and if it, like, didn't come at like, any harm to you, like, maybe these surgeries are pretty bad, and it's like, it, it just... Yeah, I'm sure she's going to look terrible, like, at 45. Like, she's going to look like Joan Rivers, but... Yeah, like, she's had a bunch of surgeries done, and you, it's hard because I don't know how old she is, but she probably can't weigh, like, the cost of doing surgery now to look more beautiful. But then it's also, they're, they're under a lot of pressure. Like, they're in the public spotlight and all that stuff. Yeah, she's and selling millions and millions of, you know, what do you call that? Like, uh, Instagram stuff. swimsuits and yeah. perfumes. You need to look your best now, not look your best in 40 years yeah so it's it's weird i think it would be it'd be very difficult to not go for those surgeries i just need to become wealthy enough where i can just like start drinking the blood of like 18 year old california kids (laughs) (laughs) i just got like in mad max fury road i just got what are those called blood boys That's that's uh, yeah, the key, not surgeries, getting a blood boy. Yeah, that was a really, uh, I didn't realize how disturbing parts of that movie were until you literally just said that, but. Yeah, that <laughs> it's a great movie. It's literally a car chase, but it's like one of my favorite movies, even though it's just one singular fact, plot. My favorite was the fact that after 95% of the movie, they just basically decided to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't see it coming. The, the and bad guys. they were like, well, this is this movie is going to try to win the Oscar. So 
about that. Um, one thing that we have to talk about before um, we call it quits on Drake, because I feel like we're, we're getting close. How did Drake trick everyone into becoming like the ambassador of the Raptors? Yeah, what does that title even mean? I saw that. Global ambassador to the Toronto Raptors. Does that just mean you can be a dickhead on in front court? You have like total access to do whatever you want? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Why, one, the Raptors do this. And two, for actually as much notoriety as it's brought to the Raptors, why don't other teams do it? But like why why they did it in the first place, I don't I don't understand. I think it was just to like generate Yeah, the thing is, this is probably like a reason why I don't like Drake as much is because he gets to do like get away with all that, and then you can have some other guy that like a Indiana Pacers game in the court side and doing the same thing, and he get he gets kicked out immediately. Yeah, exactly. You go to a New Orleans Pelicans game and some schmuck tries doing that court side. He doesn't last five seconds, but Drake can give back rubs to the coach. Yeah, but I must say. Yeah, it's good. It's it gets us talking about it, right? Yeah, I have no idea why they did it in the first place and all that, but now I guess that I say it out loud, like it has been an overall positive thing for the Raptors, and it's all been good. I get why they do it. I just I hate his guts now. How much of an impact do you think he had on them winning the championship? I think he had zero percent. I think Kawhi Leonard had a hundred percent to do it. Everything. If anything, he probably had negative impact on their karma. Because they were such a positive karma team, and then he came along, and then started becoming a polarizing figure that actually made people actively cheer against the Raptors because of how frustrating. Yeah, I mean, if like Norman Powell and Fred Van Vliet don't go ten for ten in games three and four against the Bucks, like Drake's probably the scapegoat, right? Yeah. If Fred Van Vliet doesn't make a million threes in that series, he's probably like public enemy number one, in Toronto. Like, all right, sit that guy down. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we don't need to go too far down that rabbit hole, but yeah, good for Drake. Now he has a championship. His albums probably suck. Where does his career go from here, actually? That's probably that's probably what we should leave it off with. Like, what's next for Drake? He's only 32 years old. So the, that's crazy to think about, too, that he's only 32, because he feels like a 50-year-old. Um, yeah, like he's been around forever, and it feels like the way that his music's gone, it feels like he's in his mid-40s, yeah. Yeah, I just think you should stop for like two years, take a break, go on a few vacations, don't write any music. Or like, you can write music, but don't put out anything. Yeah. Um, take a two or three year hiatus, explore the world, and then like come out with another Nothing Was The Same style album that's like 10 to 13 songs. Don't do another 25. I get why he's doing it. Why he's making all these songs. Like, it's... Cause, yeah, he's, I get it, but his music's not as good. It's suffering. But again, like he's making money, so I get why he's doing it. It's just it's somebody has to listen to it. I guess I don't have to, but I do. <laughs> it, I just watched I just watched Heat like for the millionth time the other night. And 
I always use this line, and it applies, I feel like, to Drake, um, where they're going to rob the third bank, but the heat's on them. So Robert De Niro asks, like, hey, do you still want to do this? It's Is it worth the risk? And then he goes to Tom Sizemore, and Tom Sizemore, you know, the, that crazy nut, he says, well, yeah, because the action is the juice. It's like he needs to rob banks. He needs that yeah. thrill. And I think like the same thing can be applied with Drake. Like he needs just to keep suffering heartbreak. He needs to keep just doling out songs year after year. He can't take a break. Yeah. He just, he can't like Robert De Niro can't just get on that plane and go away with his, his girl. Like he needs to just keep robbing banks. I think I, I was gonna say I agree. I think Drake needs the beef and he needs the spotlight and he needs the attention. All very similarly to Antonio Brown, but I, I just I don't think he can just take a break and like go be out of the limelight. For I think he loves it. I think he just loves being in the center. Loves ever loves beefing with people. Loves feuding with them. All fun and games. Getting girls here and there. I think I think this is his dream. And like he's gonna keep doing it and making as much money as he can until people don't buy his shit anymore. Unfortunately, that will mean that like the music quality will basically go into the toilet, but and every song will start to sound like Hotline Bling or him whining about something. Um, so yeah, he might be done after like a year. So it's it's hard to say for sure. Have you ever bought Virginia Black whiskey? I'm looking at like his entrepreneurship. No, I I can't say I've ever heard of it. You think Virginia Black whiskey is any good, or is that only for New York clubs? It, sorry, is Virginia Black is that the name of like a lady, or is that like supposed to be a state and then the color of the whiskey? Um, you know, like quick Google image what a Virginia Black bottle looks like it's uh, bourbon style whiskey whatever that means it sounds terrible it probably is terrible it's only 34 dollars a bottle so it can't be that good <laughs> see drake's just trying to relate to the rest of the people like he's just like you and me don't you all i thought i thought you do tequila when you're famous you just make a shitty tequila brand well drake thinks that market's saturated Going, he's trying to relate to the common folk of Canada. All right, what does Virginia Black taste like? Vanilla, burnt caramel, black cherry, spicy flavor. Probably not very good, I guess. Got a four out of five on TotalWine.com, which isn't actually bad. That's not bad. No, there it is. but Distiller.com gave it two point eight out of five. So it seems like it's like his music, a B. Yeah, it's it probably yeah. I never heard of this, but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, whatever. He'll he'll make some more money off this and sell his soul a little further. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, any uh, other notes? I'm I'm draked out. Yeah, I'm draked out too. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to come back with something else creative for next for our next one. I like this series though; it's good. Mm-hmm. We're getting we're getting into the NFL. We have to. We might have to do a separate pod soon on. Uh, I'm uh I'm winning though. There's no fun in doing a pod when 
you're winning gambling. <laughs> it's only fun when you're in the hole. You're a degenerate trying to climb out of that hole. Yeah, now I'm like very well. I might be. I might be a degenerate after I put money on the Bills and the 49ers and. Somebody, somebody on this end said, "Don't bet on the Patriots," and somebody did bet on the Patriots. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just—it was more like personal reasons. I just couldn't go, couldn't go against the Steelers. You know they're trash. They're they're trash. It's okay. 18's a lot though. 18 really? so much on the road too. Jesus Christ. I think yeah. I'm just gonna go Cowboys all year. All right, we'll cut it off there. We'll talk NFL some other time. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll get back on that. But yeah, shout out to Drake. It was good. Yep. Hopefully, nothing will look the
hold on, we're going home. Just hold on, we're going home. It's hard to do these things alone.